Welcome to this soul-lifting broadcast which has been put together for your spiritual growth and to make greatness common right where you are. Be sure to make the best of this moment as God takes the lead in all that concerns you. Today we're finishing the, the, the message series that we have tagged the honor code. And if you have not been around, I really want to encourage you to do yourself this good to uh, plug in into our resource uh, uh, sites or the, any of the social media sites also uh, to, to just binge watch or binge listen to, to the series. It, it has a promise of cost correction. Yeah, cost correction. That's where I put it. A promise of cost correction. You know, uh, um, in, in flying, there's something that, that is called, you know, cost correction. When, uh, 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 an airplane is flying, there are many things that will eat on it, wind, the cloud, all kinds of forces. And what those forces do is that they tend inadvertently to want to derail the, the, the airplane from the flight course. And that's when, uh, when that happens, you know, when you are high up there, and uh, if God has promoted you quite a bit, especially in this season, uh, I needed to listen to this. When you are high up there, one, I want to say one degree, one degree is too much. Yeah. You know, when we talk about uh, the degrees in the circle, one degree is too much. Deviation from your flight path can land you in a totally different place. So one degree is too much. Instead of landing in, in, New York, you can land, land in Afghanistan. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're traveling like that, especially at that height. And many people in life trust God to promote them, to uplift them, to lift them up. The only thing is that they don't pay attention to their flight plan. So it's so easy to be derailed when you are a high flyer, especially when you're trusting God for promotion. In the spirit, your errors are no longer, you know, excusable. There was a king in the scripture, King Saul. He may have done many things as a young lad, but when he, when he became the king of Israel, God said to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the part of rams. So I'm not going to play games with you. Now you are a king, you cannot behave anyhow. You have to be able to take instruction and live by instruction. That's what happens when you and I trust God to promote us. We can no longer live anyhow. We have to be able to do cost correction from time to time. That is the work of a pilot. You know, a lot of the time the airplane is on autopilot. And uh, it, it may be difficult for it to correct itself. So that's why the pilot is still there. Some planes, the way they are programmed, they can, they can land themselves. They can, I mean, almost get to where they are going just through autopilot. And some people want to leave autopilot. The only problem is that all the noise in the world, social media, friends at work, bear apologists, all kinds of things, they are all there to derail and to sell a different mindset to you than the mindset of the scriptures. And a disciple of Christ is the one that will live by, by the counsel of God, by the word of God. And where we start from is that the scripture is infallible. 
And you, if you really want to be a Christian, you must believe that the, the, the scripture is infallible. Said the, uh, uh, God said, heaven and earth will pass away, not a jot or a tittle from this word will go without being fulfilled. And our world runs on principles, not a figment of anybody's imagination. The constitution of the heart cannot be changed by one person. Even in natural things, you don't just change constitution. You know what we're going through in our country right now. Yeah. Many people want to change the constitution of the heart just by their fancy, what they think is right. So we tend to then start to live anyhow and give excuses, but it gets to a point where God says, your excuses are not good enough. That's why we're preaching this. The fact that this new generation uh, has been derailed from the path of honor, struggling to honor God, struggling to honor authority, struggling to, to, to even live a life of honor among themselves. It's a generation that has over-glorified uh, uh, individuality and uh, a life of fame and relevance over and above the fear of God. And it's important that we speak to the fact that if you really want to be a disciple of Christ, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you must live by the honor code, especially as regards your time, your talent, and your treasure. And the last two weeks, we've been on the issue of your treasure. I remember last week, uh, we spoke about the difference between your bread and your seed. Because the Bible says it's the God who gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And we said if you want to live by the honor code as a believer, when it comes to uh, honoring God with your treasure, according to Proverbs 3 and verse 9, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of all of your increase. If you want to live that out, the first mindset is that you must know that some things belong to God. You must know that there must be a difference between my seed and my bread. Everything that comes to me must be, I must be able to, in my mind, have a way of dimensioning them to separate my seed from my bread. Also, uh, from what Jesus told them when they came to tempt him to say, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, what do you have in your hand? They said, it's a denarius, a coin. He said, what, whose image, whose inscription is on it? They said, it's for Caesar. And Jesus said, with the word of wisdom, he said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and unto God what belongs to God. That means everything that comes to me, there's a portion that belongs to God. To honor him is the honor code. Remember, we also spoke from Genesis chapter 4. While the first set of people that God will demand worship or honor from, Cain and Abel. One, person, one person's uh, uh, worship or sacrifice was accepted. The other person's sacrifice was rejected. And God mentioned it there. The reason why I'm rejecting it is because what you have brought to me is dishonorable. Abel, the Bible said, brought the first and the best. Out of the firstborn and choice cut of meat, message translation says, of Genesis chapter 4 there, while Cain brought something from the proceeds of the ground, just something. There was no description. Glory be to Jesus. This is why I'm saying that you need to listen and listen again. If it's God that you want to depend on, Depend on with your financial life, depend on, you know, with, with, for divine provision, depend on for preservation, depend on for divine, you know, interventions and all that and protection. 
then you must work with him having the honor code at the back of your mind. Having the honor code at the back of your mind. So last week we said the bread is what belongs to you. What do you do with your bread? You enjoy it. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. You enjoy the bread. That's a portion of your income that belongs to you. You can rock it, you know, like we say. Yeah, but in your rocking it, please remember <laughs> that God still wants you to be a faithful steward with your bread. But you should provide for your household. You should invest for the future, part of your bread. Yeah. You should invest in your personal capacity to earn more. That's why you should put money aside to go for courses and trainings. And to develop yourself and develop your mind. Many Christians, many people ask questions. You know, I was having a conversation, I think, with my pastor. Yes, with Pastor Sam uh, uh, last week or so. Uh, and <laughs> many people ask questions. Why certain great ideas are not coming to Christians? As in big ideas in tech that has made people tech billionaires and all that. Many of us pray, we do all the things, but we need to do a bit more of investment in ourselves. And we need to be more focused on how we sow our seed. Let me tell you this. If you were God, you want to release a new platform that will be used all around the world. And you know that if you put it in the hand of this person, this person does not have the capacity. That's why the fact that the person prays, but the person does not have capacity to be able to promote that thing, to be able to connect with the right kind of people who will make it travel the world and who will make it see the light of the day. But there's someone that you are still, you, you know you can still convert, but the person has all that it takes. If I put it there, it's going to die. If I put it there, it's going to leave. This one is not with me, but this one is with me. I would rather put it here. So that it leaves. I don't know if you're, you're getting what I'm saying. The right mindset, the right connections, the right network, the right platforms that will make this thing go the way I want it to go. If I put it here, this one may bury it. Yeah. This one may not even have what it takes. To make it work. That's why Christians, we need to learn to invest more in ourselves. Yeah. It's okay to be holy, but it's also okay to be well networked. <laughs> it's also okay to be very knowledgeable. It's also okay to be skilled. And it's okay to be known for what you do. Somebody say with me today. Very, very important. Faithful stewards must differentiate between what is bread to eat and what is seed to sow? As we wrap up this message finally today, we're going to focus on the seed. And I've titled this Set Up for Abundant Living. Set Up for Abundant Living. Set Up for Abundant Living. Proverbs 11 and verse 24, I read it from New King James Version. Proverbs 11 and verse 24. There's one who scatters, yet increase, increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to what? I cannot hear you this morning. It leads to what? It leads to what? Let's see the message translation of it. I love it. I love it. Message translation. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Can't, it, it, it can't be better than that as in, in that rendition. Yeah. So, so, so that everybody understands it very plainly. The world of the generous gets larger and larger 
and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. There's E that we told more than is necessary and tends to poverty. Tends to poverty. So when people say, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to be a blessing to other people, I'm not going to do this and all that, the truth is that people who struggle, for instance, I'm going to get there in a bit, to give God his portion, to give God maybe 10% or 15% or whatever percent, they will give 80% when the business closes down. And you have to sell everything like, you know, what do they call it? Clearance sale. You know, every, every time you drive through places like, let me just be hypothetically, places like Lucky Face One, different places where you have a lot of stores. At the beginning of the year, you see a lot of stores opening, a lot of things happening. You go there by the end of the year or maybe early the following year, half of those stores have closed up. Yeah. And many of those people, apart from the fact that they may not have done their own work well in terms of whether they should start that business or not, many of them have no seed in the ground for them to get a kind of divine support and guidance that should walk them through. Yet they are Christians. They give all kinds of excuses for not being responsible financially to the kingdom of God. Some of them struggle to pay tithe of, of that business, but when the devil comes to kill the business, it takes 100%. When you refuse to give God what belongs to him, and you open the door to the devil, he does not take percentage. He takes everything. Yeah. He takes everything. Give the devil a foot hole, he does not occupy what you give him. He wants to take over everything. That's how he became the devil. Time will not permit me to get in there today. Yeah, because he, he wanted to occupy the throne of God and take over God's throne. Go and read Isaiah 12. You see it there. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. So the world of the, of the sins, gets smaller and smaller. And the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Generosity is one key characteristic of a disciple of Christ. Generosity. It's one key characteristic of someone who will be a disciple of Christ. And it starts with being generous with God and his kingdom. We're talking about your seed. Your seed. The one that you should not spend. That's what we're focusing on this morning. We're talking about your bread and how you should, you know, spend it, use it, invest it, do whatever you like with it. But your seed, characteristics of seeds. Uh, I'll say seed is divine mandate for all believers, for kingdom advancement. Yeah. It's a divine mandate for all believers, for kingdom advancement. And it's used to create increased capacity to invest in lives and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Increased capacity. Because the more I sow seeds, more grace comes to me. The seed of this year brings in much harvest for, for the following year. I have bigger capacity to continue to be a blessing. And the truth is that the reason why God preserves us is because he wants us to continue to be a blessing. He wants us to continue to be a blessing. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, I'll read from verse 5, 6, and 7. Second Corinthians 9, from verse 5, 6, and 7, from the New King James Version. Uh, it says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to, to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gifts beforehand when you had previously, uh, which you have previously promised, said that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. Look at verse 6. But this I say, 
He who sows sparingly also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7 says, So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. There are two things in this passage of the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9 from verse 5 to 7, that are very important. One is that God expects us to be intentional with our giving and the administration of our seed. Intentionality. The second one is proportionality. Yeah. To be intentional and to have a proportional mindset to it. How do I mean? It says, let every man give. Verse 9 there says, uh, so let each one give as he proposes in his heart. As he proposes in his heart. Uh, 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 verse 7 there, yeah. As he proposes in, that, in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. If I want to honor God, sometimes it will be painful and all that, but it's not because somebody should talk me into it. One of the issues we've had in the church is that we've had men of God who try, who use all kinds of gimmick. Yeah, and in the last few years, we have lambasted the church. Uh, many people have corrected themselves and all that. We are not shying away from the fact that pastors use gimmick to collect, uh, uh, to raise funds. That is not scriptural in itself. What I'm giving to honor God must come from my heart. Should my pastor, my teacher, uh, whoever uh, uh, leaves me, should they guide me and encourage me? Yes, they should. And we have to be bold to do it because we don't want to raise a generation that cannot <laughs> provoke divine intervention. Because that's where we're going if we continue the way we're going. The pastors are very shy to talk about money, talk about, uh, you know, uh, what belongs to God and all that because of all the social media bashing. This pastor doesn't care. I'm serious. I, I don't. I don't. What I care about is the generation that God will hold me responsible for. Because we can raise a generation that, that does not have power with God, that doesn't have mouth to talk to God because you don't have seed in the ground. There's no commitment. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And if my treasure is not in the kingdom of God, my heart will not be there. I will be half-hearted about kingdom matters. And when I stand before God, after pastoring this church, for the next few years that I have, because I will retire very soon, that's the truth. And then I will leave the rest of my days just raising leaders, mentoring pastors, and then I will go to meet my maker. When I stand there and I am held accountable for this church, I want to be able to say, that I did my best to raise a generation that, that, that honors God and understands what it means to be a steward. And that I have lived it out myself. Yeah, lived it out myself. In my own personal finance and my family finance. That's, 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 that's what I'm trusting God for grace for. Praise God. I said praise God. So God talks to the fact of intentionality. In our giving, yeah, the intentionality of our work with God is evidence in the way we plan our finances. Paul was writing to them here. He said, therefore, I thought in verse, in, in verse five, I thought it necessary to exhort you, brethren, to, uh, to go to, I mean, to, ex to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare 
your generous gift before and be intentional. Some people need somebody to come and take offering sometimes before they give. Do you know the truth? What we have found out, a larger percentage of people in this church, some even give before they come to church. Some have planned their giving. There are some people right now in this church that we have seen in the trend, uh, from the kind of reports that we get, that are already doing automated giving. Yeah, calculate. Based on my income, this is what my title is. They have automated it. It just comes, you know. They don't even have to, it's, it's already automated to be triggered. Uh, that, that's what Paul was writing to them there. He said, gather the thing before I come. Yeah, gather the thing before I come. And this is the same Paul who wrote a lot of New Testament. And people say in the New Testament, they never ask for money. As if they don't read their own Bible. Yeah. Say, gather it before I come. Be intentional. And then he spoke to proportional giving. Either gives sparingly, will it sparingly. Either gives bountifully, will it bountifully. Yeah. There's proportionality in what we're talking about too. Because when you look at your income, you must be able to say, look, what really should belong to God? There's proportionality. Jesus talked about proportionality in, in Luke chapter 21. When you read from verse 2 to 4. Uh, you know what Jesus did there in Luke 21? Can you put it up for me? Uh, in verse 2 to 4. What he did there, if any pastor should do it today, the pastor would trend for the next one week. Which is to go and be inspecting what people are giving. And stand by offering basket. So you put offering basket here and I stand here. Say, bro, so you come and give your own. And then bros will bring his, and I'll, okay, go and sit down. You know, some people will bring out their phone immediately, record me, and post it tomorrow, or this evening. And I'll be trending for the next one week. Am I saying the truth? But that was what Jesus did there. Yeah. The Bible says, and he saw a certain widow. Uh, if you go beforehand, Jesus, the Bible says, he stood by the treasury. He stood by the treasury. And that's the great shepherd. Why did he do it? That's the question. He did it because that was a teachable moment, and he wanted to teach who a disciple should be. Not because he needed their money. Look up and saw the rich putting their gift into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting two mites. Look at verse 3. So he said, Truly I said to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Because he was talking proportional. Has put in more than all. Verse 4. Verse 4 quickly. For all these out of abundance, out of their abundance are put in, in, put in the offering for God, uh, but she out of her poverty puts in all the livelihood that she had. In proportional giving, she gave her all. It may be the least, but it was her all. So God watches out for proportional giving. How do you really honor him out of the 100%? It's very important to him. This was Jesus. wasn't one of the apostles. Jesus. And he mentioned it as a teachable moment. So it's very important uh, that we pay attention uh, to that. So let's examine four ways that believers can sow effectively. I'll start to tie, tie this all together. Four ways believers can sow effectively. One, because, because I've called this set up for abundant living. This is how you set yourself up for abundant living. Yeah, how you set yourself up for abundant living. Maybe before I read these four ways, uh, a, a good scripture to explain why we must look at like these four ways is Ecclesiastes 11, 
when you read from verse 1 to 6, I should have read it earlier. Ecclesiastes 11, can you put it up? Then I'll go to these four ways and then we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up. Ecclesiastes 11 from verse 1 to 6. Yeah. It says, can you put it on my screen here, please, quickly, quickly. I don't want to be looking back. Here, thank you. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Look at verse 2. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Verse 3, if the clouds are full, this one says, uh, this verse 3 is saying that, look, you can populate the cloud over your life. He said, if the clouds are full, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or north in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be found. That's talking about the law of cause and effect. If, it, if, if you cause something to happen, that's how it's going to happen. And he's saying that there's a way we, we use our seed to make things happen. Verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow. I think it's a uh, New Living Translation that it, it says, he who waits for favorable condition will not sow. Many people are always waiting for favorable condition. When my salary increase, when this happens, when I sell this, when I do this, when, 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 when I get promotion, then I, I will start honoring God better. He who waits for, <laughs> he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the cloud will not reap. Look at verse 5. So, it says, as you do not know, or as you, as you, no, 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 please stay. <laughs> I didn't say you should give me New Living Translation. Let's stay with New King, I mean, New King James, yes. I just use that as an example. Thank you. <laughs> as you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. So he said, in the morning, do what? Sow your seed. In the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that. Whether both alike will be good. So what is he saying? There are channels that God has created for us to sow seeds. What many people do is that they excuse themselves from certain channels by saying, this is what I would do. Yeah, this is what I would do. For instance, some people will say, I will give to the poor. Like there's another fad now. I'm preempting myself. It's all good. Yeah. There's another fad, which is use your tithe to take care of poor people's uh, school fees and all those things and all that. You know, as politically correct as that sounds, there's no biblical teaching to back it up. To say for a believer, you can choose to just spend your tithe anyhow you like. And I know this can be a bit controversial, but I'm willing uh, to be for just for this moment. I don't like controversy, but for this moment, because we're discussing Bible. It's either I want to be a tighter and tight to support the kingdom of God or not. There's a channel for the poor. There's a channel for what belongs to God. Jesus gave us an idea of that in Mark 14. Mark 14 from verse 3. Mark 14 from verse 3. A woman, uh, now you can give me New Living Translation. Yeah, give me New Living Translation. Mark 14 from verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy while he was eating. Uh, while he was eating, a woman came, came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open 
the jar and poured the perfume over his head, some of those at the table were indignant. They were angry. Why waste such expensive perfume? They asked. It could have been sold for a year's wage. That's how expensive it is. It's one year's salary for, for people who earn a certain level. Yeah. And the money given to the poor. So they scolded her Ashley. Just like some people have scolded you, Ashley. For giving to the church rather than giving to the poor. <laughs> they scolded her Ashley. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus said there, he said, but you will not always have me. And what he was literally saying is that, if you read further, what this woman did was part of the redemption plan. He said, this woman has prepared my body for my funeral. Why did Jesus come? What's the good news? Came to die for my sin and your sin. What part of your money or your resources goes directly into anything that preaches the gospel? What part of your money supports the preaching of the gospel? Because even the poor needs to hear the gospel. Jesus is not saying we should not give to the poor. And that's not what I'm saying. This church, we give to the poor like no man's business. Yeah. We do that all the time. We do food bank. We do everything. We have kids on scholarship. Our foundation does a lot of that. And thank God for some of you who also support the foundation. In the last, um, uh, um, in the last one or two months, we have given welfare funds to at least 300 families in this church, ranging from helping them to pay school fees, to house rent, to hospital bills, and all that. Yeah, with facts to back it up, record. Yeah. And some people who may have benefited from that may be here this morning. And that's across expression. We're still approving more right now from what has come from expressions. Though we limited it to people on membership and you know, workforce and all that. Those are the kind of things we do. And a percentage of the income of the church goes into that. That's what Jesus was saying. But we will not stop preaching the gospel, putting uh, the, the, the gospel on TV, going and, and, you know, do mission work and support missions and do all those things. Because they're two different things. Completely two different things. So, the first channel. Sowing for kingdom advancement. Sowing for kingdom advancement. So the spread of the gospel requires the employment of financial resources. Yeah, it requires the employment of financial resources. And if you put my next slide, you see different things. Because people ask, put the next slide, please, quickly. People ask uh, what, what we spend money on as, as a church. You see it there. From mission initiative, outreaches, to social impact project, to welfare interven interventions, to media, you know, to church planting, to facility maintenance, to staff salaries. Currently, we have 120, about 120 staff as a church across all of our expressions. Contract, full-time, 
and all that. Many people who had well-paying jobs, who left their jobs to come and start to work in the church. Some of you are still running away from that. And yet you don't want them to be paid well. It's not fair. Because when you don't give, that's what happens. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Because it takes grace to say, I want to do ministry full time. Yeah. It takes grace. These, these are the different things. I, I, I'm not talking to you because I know a lot of people listen to me this morning. You're already doing what I'm saying. But you see, when you go out there and people talk and they, they abuse other people's mind, you are the ones that should speak for Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. I do a lot of philanthropic work. But those are good works to, to keep a generation alive and to help people. We have to keep to preach the gospel. When they came to meet Jesus to say, uh, uh, um, John the Baptist said they should ask whether he's the one to come or not. You know what he said? They should tell John the Baptist. He said, go tell John. The blind see, the lame walk, and all that. And he added one to it. He said, the poor had the gospel preached to them. Yeah, the poor had the gospel preached to them. What the poor people need the most, apart from welfare intervention, is the gospel. It's, it's bad for people to not live well on earth and still not live well in heaven. I mean, after, after now. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The least that we should wish anyone that is poor right now is what happened to Lazarus. He was poor on earth, but he made it to eternal life. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the least we can wish anyone. It's bad for anyone not to have a good experience on earth and still not make heaven. That's why we must not shy away from our kingdom investment. So, where is the gospel being preached? Because of your financial contribution. And what are you going to do differently? Uh, let me move fast now. I must say this though, and this is very important, that don't bring God an offering out of transaction of sin. So giving will not help to launder ill-gotten wealth or guilty conscience. Yeah. We must put that there. This is not the kind of church where people steal money and bring it to church. Yeah. You bring it, you're on your own. We won't stop you, but everyone does not reckon with that kind of money. Make money legitimately and then honor God with it. You understand? Yeah. Make money legitimately and then honor God with it. Use your gift to make money. Use your talent to make money and then honor God with it. No shady deals. All who believe say amen. amen. Sowing to others. That's another channel. Sowing to others. Giving to others. Giving, your giving to others can be done by yourself and you can also structure it through your church. When you support Business Foundation, for instance, you're giving to others. When you, when you support a benevolence force as a church, you're giving to others. When, when your units, where you are, or in your, in your connect group or small group, somebody has a need and use your opportunity, because the Bible says we should be good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. It bothers me a lot when we get requests from units, from different places, and everything always comes to church. Sometimes I ask the people that these people relate with within this church, how much have they given them? Because that's what I do personally when people approach me in need. Before I, I look, okay, what can I do personally for you? What can I do personally? What can I do personally? Yeah. What can I do personally? There are one or two families in this church 
where personally I help with their children's schooling. Personally. Because, see, when we use church money to help people, church will be blessed for it. If I'm not using my own money, I'm cornering myself away from certain blessing. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So when people meet me sometimes and they ask, they talk about what they're going through, I ask myself, God, is this me or the church that should sort this out? Because if I get the conviction that this is me, that's why God sent this person to me. I sold it out myself with my own money. So sowing to others is very, very important. Very, very important. Look at the writing of Paul in 1 Corinthians 16. When you read from verse 1 uh, down to 3, he said, not, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, he said you should follow the same procedure I gave to the church in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't, I'm reading New, New Living Translation. A portion of the money you have earned is that don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it, you know, all at once. He said, when I come, I will write letters of recommendation uh, to uh, for the messenger you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. What he was saying is, help one another. Put something aside. And when I come, what you have put aside, will send it to the saints in Jerusalem who have need. God is honored when you give support, uh, when you give to support others around you, especially in their time of need. Very, very important. Number three, I have one more and I'll close. Number three, giving to parents and those who minister to us. Given to parents and those who minister to us. Ephesians 6 and verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We need to preach it to every Christian and everyone in Lagos. Whose parents are in the village. That the Bible says, honor your father and mother. Before you buy that Prada or Gucci bag, have you honor your father and mother? Are they living in squalor? You know, will, will your Uber money for one week sort out your parents? Why you go on the bus? Yeah, to cut down your cost because you want to do Lagos big guess. And you must, you must get Uber all the time. And yet you, you have not sent anything to your parents and they suffer. That's not, that's not somebody who is honoring, who is honorable. Yeah. And all our young people, you need to hear that some people, you know, Say, my parents don't need my money. They don't need your money, but you need them. You need to honor them. Because I say, blessing that is tied to it. Yeah. My parents never begged me for money whilst they were alive. But it, does, it didn't stop me from honoring them consistently. Because they, they, they were never broke. But yet, with the understanding of the Bible, <laughs> they, they do not need the money, but I need the money to be in their hand. So that I will be blessed. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very important. So, we honor God when we honor our parents and those in spiritual authority over us. Now, this is very dangerous. For a pastor to be saying you should honor pastors and give to them. You know, you can misunderstand it. But I told you, I hold no apology. We're teaching the Bible. When I get to heaven, God is going to ask me whether I taught it or not. Because I don't want people to think that I, I need their money. It's very simple. Look at the scriptures. Look at the scriptures. Galatians 6 and verse 6. 
Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him that is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. All the people who teach you, pastors, leaders. Yeah, the Bible says you should share with them. You should be a blessing to them. Some people have made up their mind. Nothing from me, you know, will ever go to a pastor or a minister. Uh, or as if you are inducing or you are indulging or, you know, it gets to a point now where people are angry when pastors fare well. And it's only the devil that can put that there, not God. Because we're supposed to be happy when people fare well. I know that there are excesses and there are pastors who misbehave. And we should separate them from the generality. This one brush that you used to paint everyone that is called to preach the gospel is wrong. Separate them from the generality of the people. So, and that must not stop us from obeying the scriptures. First Timothy 5 and 17. First Timothy 5, 17 to 18, it said, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. What does that mean? It means that the people who are like spiritual parents over you, who nurture you, should be blessed by you. That's what it means. I know the saying in the world is, you're giving your money to pastor. No, it depends on your mindset. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying today. Yeah, uh, I prepared for this. So even if you don't respond to me, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Praise God. I've told myself, if I preach this message today and nobody says amen, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. So that, that's why, we, we, I mean, we talk about the concept of prophet offering. Either bless a prophet with a cup of water in the name of a prophet. In the name of a prophet. In the name of a prophet. We receive a prophet's reward. That's what the scripture says. That's a channel of blessing. You can shut it down. You may not mind it. You may not want it. It's okay. But I'm saying if you want to set up, set yourself up for a life of abundance, you should open as many channels as possible over your life. The channel that comes from parent, channel that comes from charitable giving, that comes from supporting the gospel. And the last one, let's face it. Tighten. Tighten. And I'll close on that. Time will not permit me to say as much as I really would love to say. Maybe another time. But I'll say a few things. One is that God has decided the tithe, the offering is what you decide. <laughs> I know that can also sound a bit controversial, but that's the truth. Jesus, like I said, said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Yeah, that's a portion of my income that belongs to God. In the Old Testament, it was very expressed in de declaring it. In Malachi chapter 3, you see it there. It said, bring all the tithe to my storehouse. Many arguments have come to say that was Old Testament. And we are in the New Testament, in the dispensation of grace. And anyone who, who is thinking right and who understands spiritual principles will know that honoring God and the Ten Commandments itself, they're not so much about Old or New Testament, it was the, uh, the, the motive behind it and how it is structured that matter. How do I mean? 
The Bible compares the Old and the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 8, when you read from verse 7. Uh, it says that if the first covenant was okay, there will be no place for a second covenant. And Jesus came to bring the second covenant uh, because fault was found in the first one. But Jesus said, I have not come to destroy or to remove the law. Yeah, that's not what he came to do. It's to give us a different mindset, which is the mindset of grace. In the Old Testament, if you don't pay tight, you rob God, you will be dealt with. If you don't observe Sabbath, they stone you to death. Today, if you refuse to observe Sabbath and rest, nobody will stone you. You just run to the hospital. It's simple. God was dealing with slaves who just left Egypt. Please listen to this. Slaves who just left Egypt. They had been programmed a certain way. They responded to force. So he came with law to force them to do certain things. Yeah. That shall not convert your neighbor's uh, wife. That shall not do this. That shall not. He gave them strict regulations. In the New Testament, we don't deal with strict regulations. We operate under grace. Grace, however, is not a license for sin. Paul said, shall we continue in, in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. Grace is not a license for sin. Grace is not a license for lawlessness. It is the orientation. We do all those things to honor God, to honor humanity, and honor ourselves. So whether it's not covet your neighbor's property, I mean, thou shalt not murder, for instance. You know the difference between Old Testament and New Testament? <laughs> if you murder in the Old Testament, it's an eye for an eye. In the New Testament, God will forgive you, but the law of the land will deal with you. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's forgiveness in the New Testament. The only thing is there's repercussion for bad behavior. In the same vein, when you choose not to pay tight because you feel it's Old Testament, you will go to heaven. God will not punish you. But the benefit of tithing can elude you. And we stay together. Yeah, that's the difference. I just put it in layman's language. I can go into scriptures and be doing your testament and compare who paid tithe, who did not pay tithe. Abraham paid tithe. Oh, Jacob paid tithe. He promised God tithe. In the days of Abraham and Jacob, there was no law. The law came after Jacob's family had become a nation. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And they carried them. I mean, they went to Egypt. Jacob went to see Joseph in Egypt, if you have read your Bible, and then they became residents there. And then they moved out of Egypt by force after over 400 years. And the person who led them, Moses, was the person that God now gave the law. The law has not always been from the beginning. Outside of the law, Abraham paid tithe. Outside of the law, Jacob promised God tithe a proportion of their income because they knew what God wanted. So we cannot use law and Old and New Testament to stop ourselves from doing what God wants us to do so that a channel of blessing can open up to us. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning and just bless his name, 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 bless his name. I've taken our time this morning to explain this, knowing that we're closing a, a, a series. And apart from that, it's a subject that many people need understanding to be able to walk with God. With. Now is your time to make a decision how you want to honor God with your life.
Intentionality is very key when it comes to stewardship. A steward is very, very intentional. So what decisions are you making this morning as you lift your hand to Jesus? What decisions are you making? Yeah, what decisions are you making? Somebody saying, uh, I, I, I want to start giving my tithes. I want to start somewhere. I want to start giving a, a portion of my income. Is somebody saying, I want to look for somebody to bless. And I'm trusting God to send somebody to me. It's been a while that God used me to bless anybody. Is somebody saying, uh, I, I want to bless somebody who has been a blessing to me, a pastor, a minister, or a leader. I, I just want to be a blessing to somebody. Is somebody saying, I'm repenting today. I know my parents are late, but I have parent figures that I need to continually bless. And I will make a decision. Whether it's quarterly, half yearly, monthly, whenever, I, I will be able to bless them. Yeah. Somebody is saying, look, I, I want to start supporting kingdom initiatives. Yeah. I want to start supporting. I want my business to support kingdom initiatives. Yeah. It's okay to sponsor uh, golf. I play golf. too. It's okay to sponsor, you know, philanthropic uh, things, Rotary and all that is okay. It's okay to give into some of those things. But if that's the only one you get, you do, and when it comes to church, you hold back. Now that you have heard the word of God, please make a decision. Make a decision. God is counting on you to take hold of his honor code and live by it. And live by it. And live by it. And live as we cross into the mid-year, we're going to talk, talk, for instance, about the accelerated seed. Somebody needs to make a decision. How do I want to honor God, uh, you know, as I cross into a second half of the year? Yeah. Just in line with what we do in this church. And be a part of that. And just sow another seed that will open up something else to me. He said, in the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do not withhold your hand. Lift your two hands to him this morning. And say, Father, take charge of my financial life. I yield it to you. 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 Thank you for listening. We hope you are truly blessed. Please feel free to email us at info at elevationng.org for all inquiries or to share any testimonies. You can also follow us on our social media channels at ElevationNG to have access to real-time updates on all broadcasts and special programs. Till we come your way again, keep making greatness common.